Let us worship God. Our first reading is from the book of Genesis, the first chapter beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. O God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning that your word might fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. i 
second reading this morning comes from the, the uh, letters of the Acts. I'm guessing it's a scripture you'll hear again at the beginning of the Pentecost season, but this way we can have it in mind and we can use it to warm up for that season. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue of fire rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, At this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, Richmond District and Sunset District. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, well, they're filled with new wine. Something a little different this morning, a story rather than a sermon. Most of you don't know that I'm a widely published writer. And uh, There was an occasion a while ago when I was asked to give an address at the 150th anniversary of the church. My great-grandfather came all the way from Kirnbach, Germany, to preach at. And they asked me to write a story for that occasion about that congregation, which I did. And I read it that morning on the anniversary. It's since come out in in a second edition of my first collection of short stories. And I want to tie it into something that Luba said this morning before all of you arrived. She was playing the organ here practicing, and all of a sudden she got kind of upset and said, you know, this organ is playing a note that I'm not playing. And then she said, must be the Holy Spirit. I like that very much because I think sometimes the Holy Spirit, even listening to all the wonderful notes we're playing, says there's a note that's missing. Nobody else wants to sing it or play it, so I will. So sometimes the Holy Spirit comes among us as the note that we're not playing. And of course, what happens? A crisis, right? How do we deal with that note? So this is a story called Holy Ghost. It's about a a flesh and blood congregation, all right? The names were protected, uh, were uh, changed to protect the guilty. 
St. Peter's United Church of Christ is full of practical people who know that leaving a door wide open and unattended is asking for trouble. Once, Anna Bauer left her back door wide open, went to bed, and woke up at midnight with two raccoons bigger than farm dogs tearing up her kitchen. Leon Freisch once forgot to close his barn door, and soon his sheep were being chased down the highway by an out-of-town trucker swinging a tire iron and swearing at the top of his lungs. Once, someone left the front doors of St. Peter's wide open all night, and by morning, the brass candle holders were gone, never to be seen again. During a cold spell this past January, doors began to be left wide open at St. Peter's, and people took notice, especially Mark Klaus, a quiet man of 40 with salt and pepper hair and pink cheeks. Mark was chair of building and grounds at St. Peter's and a teacher at Keele High School a steady-at-she-goes kind of guy who could calm a classroom of teenagers or a surprised congregation. Mark took action in a quiet way. He bought a dozen signs at Luloff's Hardware that read, Please Close Door, and posted one above each outside door. One evening in March, the wind kicked up after dusk, and Mark lay in bed listening to his blue shutters bang against the side of his little white house on 3rd Street. He couldn't sleep, so he left his wife, who, now that the kids were out of the house, could sleep through anything, got dressed and took Shadow, his black lab, on a walk. Side by side, they walked down Main Street, dark except for the yellow circles of light cast by street lights. No cars moved, but the wind sent leaves and plastic bags across the street. St. Peter's stood solid and heavy on the north side of Main Street. The thick limestone building look as much, looking as much like a castle to keep people out as a church to let people in. As he passed church, Mark said, what the? And stopped in his tracks. The church's oak front doors, each two inches thick and weighing more than he did, stood wide open to the night. He walked through the open doors, turned on the lights, and looked around. He didn't see anything. But Shadow, his lab, began a menacing growl. What is it, girl, he asked, as if he expected her to answer, and maybe she did, because he could not quiet her until he turned off the lights, shut the church doors, and pulled her onto the sidewalk. The hair on her back still bristled. That next day, Mark called an emergency meeting of the buildings and grounds team, and that evening he gathered with seven men, including the custodian Adam Schmidt, a quiet, solitary man who battled dust, dirt, mud, and mice for the Lord every day, and dressed in Green Bay Packers green and gold on his game days. In case you didn't know, this story takes place in Wisconsin. At two minutes after 7 o'clock, Mark checked his watch, looked up, and asked, well, where is she? Dale Heisman, a retired accountant who held an opinion about everything and couldn't keep a single one to himself, said in his reedy high voice, well, that woman was born 10 minutes late and never caught up. They were talking about their pastor, Florence Fenster, Pastor Flo, a slender single woman of 50 who was at her best when dressed in blue jeans and running shoes. Some of her called her Pastor Flo, F-L-O-W, because by God she went with the flow, even if some of her members were determined to damn the flow and fill the mill pond. She was the first female senior pastor in St. Peter's 149 history and had been called to St. Peter's for two very good reasons. First, she had esteemed relatives in the church graveyard. And secondly, the search committee members had never met anyone quite like her. She oozed freedom and joy. While singing hymns, she threw her head back and sang her hymns straight 
at God in heaven without restraint. And she loved to laugh out loud, even in worship. In contrast to all of her predecessors, men with fierce eyes and pinched mouths. Pastor Flo claimed to have a boyfriend in Milwaukee and a tattoo above her right breast. But no one had ever seen the boyfriend or her tattoo. Anna Bauer once said, I'm going to give our pastor the benefit of the doubt and assume her boyfriend is a decent man and her tattoo is a Bible verse. <laughs> pastor Flo, humming to herself, arrived at the meeting late and said, sorry, her standard greeting when she arrived. Mark got right to the point and said, I walked by the church late last night after midnight and the front doors were wide open. Alarmed, Dale Heisman asked, did they get our brass candle holders? Nothing was stolen, Mark replied. Must be kids then, Dale said. The men nodded in agreement except for the custodian, Adam Schmidt, who cocked his head to the side as if a heavy thought had rolled to one side of his brain. And he said with quiet authority, it ain't kids. Who then, Dale asked, looking at Adam. The Catholics? Adam shook his head. It's a ghost. A shiver ran down Mark's spine as he remembered how Shadow had growled at something inside the church and would not be shushed. In fact, most of the people at the table remembered some kind of unexplained encounter with a door left wide open and had thought about a ghost. But Adam was the first to say the word out loud. Dale looked at the custodian, frowned, and said, Well, I don't believe in ghosts, and I don't think any of you do either. And he looked at Pastor Flo, expecting her to back him up. Instead, she leaned forward in her chair and told a story. Well, the other day, I came in the back way, closed the door behind me, and went upstairs to my office. After a few minutes, I heard the back door click open, so I shouted, Who's there? Nothing. I went downstairs and found the back door wide open to the cold. No one was around. She paused and added, The hair on the back of my neck stood on end. After hearing Pastor Flo's story, Mark turned to Adam and asked, what makes you think it's a ghost? He said, well, I grew up Lutheran in Sheboygan. Lutherans are, far, are known far and wide as God's spooked people. We know more about ghosts than we do about God, really. And that goes back to our founder, Martin Luther. Once Luther was hiding from the Pope in Wartburg Castle while translating the Bible into German when a ghost tried to stop him. He threw his inkwell at it. And they say the ink stains on the wall are there to this day. Dale said, yeah, well, Luther lived in the Dark Ages, Adam, when superstitions ran wild. Adam, undaunted, said, well, I didn't grow up in the Dark Ages, and I grew up with a ghost in our attic, a poltergeist who rattled and banged away each night and kept us all awake. Ah, Dale said, probably an attic full of squirrels. Mark assigned each member of his team to an evening of door patrol and closed the meeting by saying, let's keep our eyes and minds open and meet again next week. That week, a half a dozen doors were left wide open, most at night. Dale Heisman arrived on Thursday evening at dusk, found a side door left open and closed it, looking around for the culprit. Not far off, he spotted a young girl standing at the edge of the parking lot watching him. He, stor he stormed toward her, shouting, You there! You did this! Frightened, she turned and ran to a parked car, and a few minutes later, Dale was trying to explain to the girl's father why he had acted so badly toward her. At the next meeting of the buildings and grounds, Dale did not tell his story about scaring the wits out of that girl, but others told stories about finding doors wide open with no one in sight. Pastor Flo said, word is getting around the congregation. People are spooked. 
Mark knew that word about this was getting around town, too, because one of his students had come up to him and said, Mr. Klaus, I hear you got a ghost in your church. Boo! Mark looked at the custodian and said, Adam knows ghosts, and he's pretty sure we're up against a ghost. Anybody here got a better explanation? All turned to Dale, but Dale just shook his head and disgusted with himself that he didn't have a better explanation. Turning back to Adam, Mark asked, well, what did you do about that ghost in your attic? Adam said, one night after telling the ghost to shut up a hundred times, Pa got real polite and said, please, whoever you are, let the children sleep. It got quiet. Frowning, Dale shouted, your pa said pretty please to a ghost. Adam nodded and said, our ghost just wanted a little attention and respect. We named him Otto, after the man who had built a house and died in it. And whenever the banging started at night, we said, good evening, Otto. Did you have a nice day? And it got quiet. Mark asked his team, have any pastors ever dropped dead in this building? Not yet, Dale said, glancing at Pastor Flo. Pastor Flo smiled and said, so what does this ghost want? It's our ghost. Dale said, don't say our ghost. It's not my ghost. Adam, who had been silent a long time, said, well, this ghost doesn't make noise, so it's no poltergeist. It's a gespenster. Well, what's a gespenster? Mark asked. A ghost who is empty inside. Empty ghosts, of course, Dale said, throwing up his hands. Adam added, now if a gespenster goes bad, it fills its emptiness with evil, and it's called a teufelgespenst, a devil ghost. Now that word teufel hit the group hard, except for Dale, who said, I don't believe in the devil either. Pastor Flo looked at Dale and said, well, Dale, what do you believe in? And Dale thought for a moment, then repeated a bit of the Apostles' Creed he knew by heart. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Pastor Flo interrupted him and said, what if this ghost is the Holy Ghost? Her mention of the Holy Ghost set people back in their chairs even more than the mention of the devil ghost, except Dale, who leaned forward and said, well, the Holy Ghost doesn't go around spooking people and opening doors. Fritz, a very quiet bachelor, surprised everyone by jumping into the congregation, a conversation at that point. That's exactly what the Holy Ghost does, he said. Think about that first Pentecost. The Holy Ghost set the disciples' hair on fire and made them speak in strange languages. You don't think that spooked them and opened a few doors? Several team members raised their eyebrows, thinking. Mark surprised the group when he bowed his head and folded his hands in silent prayer. The rest of the team followed his lead, and for the first time in St. Peter's long history, building and grounds became a spiritual Force. After a long silence, Pastor Flo started humming and then singing the first verse of Amazing Grace. Should we do it? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. After the prayer and the song, everyone felt a little better. Adam said, this gespenster wants to be a part of St. Peter's so that it can fill itself with God's love. That's why he's hanging around our church instead of over at Larry's Good Time Inn. Mark said, well, 
We have been running off all year about how welcoming we are, open hearts, open minds, open doors, and all that stuff. Adam said, so let's welcome this ghost. For the next week, Adam, along with the members of Buildings and Grounds, cleaned that church building with a holy ferocity. Dale polished the brass candlesticks, replaced the long skinny candles, and, and placed dozens of fat jasmine-scented candles all around the sanctuary. Everyone helped, scrubbed, dusted, and mopped. That Friday night turned out to be cold and windy. When most folks in town had already gone to bed, Mark lit all of the candles, opened the front doors of the church with Shadow by his side, and waited, instruction sheets in hand. The sheets were titled, Holy Ghost Love Fest. Ever been to one? And included tips on how to pray and sing with the Holy Ghost in mind. Fritz, the farmer on buildings and grounds, arrived next, saying, already past my bedtime, he bent down to pet Shadow, which set her tail banging against the oak door. The choir director, a young piano teacher with a big soprano voice, arrived, smiling. Choir members arrived. Dale showed up, too, looking put out, but ready to sing tenor. Soon, people arrived who had never set foot in St. Peter's. Choir members recruited from area churches, Baptists, United Methodists, even Presbyterians and a dozen Pentecostals from Chilton, everyone drawn by a readiness to help the people of St. Peter's in their hour of need. A handful of Jehovah Witnesses showed up too, happy to be included, and ready with a few leaflets, just in case anyone was wavering. <laughs> Next, a gaggle of Catholic women arrived with baskets of sandwiches, half a dozen thermoses of brandy-spiked coffee. Youth arrived in bunches, several from Mark's classes, many carrying cell phones ready to text their friends with breaking news about this ghost. The teens surprised him by marching past their usual hangout, the back pew, and piling into the money seats way up front. The teens surprised him this way, and he said, why, finally, they don't want to miss a thing. Children were not invited for fear of stoking their nightmares about ghosts, so lots of babysitters around town were making good money that night. By 11 o'clock, the sanctuary lit only by warm yellow candlelight was full of several hundred people from as far away as Plymouth and Appleton, still in their coats, sipping spiked coffee and reading their instruction sheets with the help of their cell phone flashlights. The sweet stench of tropical jasmine filled the dark space. There was a rumor that Pastor Flo's boyfriend was in the crowd, so the women of St. Peter's gave every man they did not recognize the once-over. Two teens, enjoying the dark, began to make out until Mark and his dog came forward and sat right between them. Pastor Flo arrived early, perhaps for the first time in her life. Dressed in the white robe she wore only on Easter Sunday, she sat in her chair up front, quiet and still as a nun, ready to go with the flow, but tense too, wondering how far downstream that flow would take them before the sun rose in the morning. She was pretty sure that none of the pastors before her had ever orchestrated a love fest of any kind, much less one to a ghost. Adam Schmidt, dressed in a suit for the first time in anyone's memory, wore his only tie, green and gold, and sat next to Pastor Flo. A few minutes before midnight, Pastor Flo stood and walked to the microphone, and the place fell as silent as an empty cave. No one, not even Pastor Flo, knew quite what to expect next. She took a deep breath and said, thank you all for coming to our first ever Holy Ghost Love Fest. As if one body and voice, the Pentecostals stood, lifted their arms, and cried out, amen, hallelujah. 
I wasn't a Presbyterian, by the way. A bit startled, Pastor Flo regathered herself and said, Ushers, please close and lock all outside doors. And she added, when that is done, we will sit, pray, and wait, preparing ourselves for whatever happens. People looked at one another and winked. She went on, I will wait until dawn if necessary. And when a door opens, and I think one will, we will hear it. And when that door opens, you will all sing like you've never sung before. Sing your love and joy to every creature, living and dead, to the daylight and to the darkness, to the spirit, good or evil, and especially to the Holy Ghost. The congregation held still and listened as the ushers pulled the oak door shut and turned each deadbolt. One teen texted, locked in. Ten minutes passed, the crowd tense and alert. Twenty minutes. Forty. Pastor Flo kept her eyes closed and her prayers fueled, but most of the people's prayer tanks were running low, and they were getting sleepy, especially those filled with Friday night fish fry and beer. Keen focus gave way to yawns, sighs, whispers, and more sipping of spiked coffee. Fritz, the early-to-bed farmer on building and grounds, was the first to fall asleep, his chin dropping to his chest, followed by a snort. An hour later, half the choir was nodding off, and Pastor's Flo's prayers had weakened into a kind of an apology, sort of a, Lord, this gathering seemed like such a good idea at the time. A cold wind hit Pastor Flo in the face like a slap, reviving her. And she looked up. The candle flames in, danced in the breeze, and the two front doors stood wide open. At first she thought that the ushers must have opened them as an invitation for people to stop wasting their time and go home. But then she heard a fierce bark. Shadow faced the open doors, growling, teeth bared, hair on end. The choir director stood up, pumped her arms up and down and shouted, on your feet, on your feet. One of the Pentecostals, a man with a boyish face, stood and prayed loudly in tongues, which sounded like one of those languages from Star Wars. Kawana Batuka Malala Malu! Got that? The organist got so rattled that she hit the wrong keys, stopped and muttered, Scheiße, a good old-fashioned German word. She repositioned her hands and played the introduction to I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. A second gust of wind blew through the doors, everyone now a bit chilled and wide awake, and they sang with such love and abandon that even the teens began singing and clapping. Adam Schmidt dropped to his knees for the first time since he'd left the Lutheran church years ago. Dale dropped all his opinions, raised his face to heaven, and sang with a joy he hadn't felt since he was a boy. Mark's cheeks went from pink to red, and Shadow quit growling, lifted her snout, and howled like a wolf. Ahoom! That really inspired the Pentecostals. <laughs> a shapely young woman in a red dress, way too tight for church, kicked off her high heels, stood on the pew, and prayed, Takashamana wani lady! Pastor Flo tears streaming down her cheeks, waited for the Holy Ghost to set everyone's hair on fire. That did not happen. But people prayed, visited, and laughed in no hurry to leave. One teen ordered a pizza delivery via text. After that night, no doors were left wide open, and the heating bill returned to normal. But those who had been part of the Holy Ghost Love Fest did not quite return to normal. They were different, less afraid of the dark, more open to strangers, more trusting of all they could not understand or explain. 
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Let us pray. Holy God, you have fed us in word, in story, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth this day inspired by the Holy Ghost, opening the doors of welcome that you might be less afraid of the dark and more trusting of those things that cannot be explained. Go now in the love of God, in the grace of Jesus Christ, and in the companionship of the Holy Ghost.